You wear your scars like Sunday best, like a six inch heel in a summer dress, like the beauty of the sun setting or a new day dawning, almost like a flower that's blooming. Look at that handful of tomorrow's knocking, possibilities mapped in the ground that you walk in, your radiance is haunting, there is flawlessness in the parts where your body is curving. Through you we see the glamour in breaking, in weeping until you cleanse, in falling until you dance, in giving yourself a second chance, in sending yourself love letters and then writing back, because that is how a godly woman breaks. You wear your scars like Sunday best. Hello and welcome to another episode of How I Wear My Scars, Finding Beauty in Brokenness. I'm your host, Zintekulu. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. As always, thank you for spreading the word. Thank you for the feedback. Absolutely appreciate every little thing and every person. Now, I want to jump straight today into Balisa's story. It's called A Toxic Ex Muti and A Happily Ever After. Now, if you hear that, then you must know it is a story of hope, right? It is a story that is quite dramatic, if you ask me. A lot has happened in this story. You're going to find out all about it um, as you listen to it. I hope that you can listen to the very end. And I just want to say before I go into it that, you know, every story that is shared on the platform is every woman's personal experience. So nobody's here narrating somebody else's story. And so everything that people say, everything that they share is informed by where they've been and what they've gone through personally so there's nobody that is you know maybe standing here trying to dictate as to how you should live your life make decisions for yourself etc all we are doing is spreading a message of hope is sharing our own testimonies and what we've been through and really also spreading a message of healing and of course finding beauty and brokenness so that's what it's all about um at the end of the day this is such a powerful story and i hope that you enjoy so we'll just go straight into it it is palisa's story my name is palisa ratikwani I come from a very close, loving, and spiritually rich family. I'm a firm believer of Christ, and I'm currently studying towards my honors and certificate in theory of accounting in specialization in chartered accountancy. It's simply CTA for short. <laughs> I'm an aspiring writer and speaker as well. In my private life, I'm a wife, a sister, a friend, a daughter, I have an underlying passion of inspiring people through practical real life experience and also using the word of God to give hope and healing to the broken society. This is my story. In 2016, I got acquainted to a certain guy on campus gym. I was from the same institution, but just different campuses at the time. And after a short while after us meeting, we hit it off almost immediately and started dating right away. From a normal eye, we seemed like a very good and solid couple. Physically looked good. We both came from backgrounds of divorce and thus resulted in us having high hopes and dreams of staying together forever. We were being raised by single parents, that is single moms after the divorce and then in both our situations or home dynamics rather, our fathers would be present here and there, also financially helping to support us. So at the time, we thought that we made sense. Plus we both had an undiluted love for keeping fit and we both loved to look good in general. So when we'd have our fights 
or challenges. I downplay them and say that every couple has their own issues and these were just mine. In the past, I was someone who didn't compromise at all in what I didn't believe in or support. So my relationships as a result in the past would end very quickly because of my lack of tolerance. But for some reason, with this particular one, I was hell-sent or hell-bent on seeing it through and doing anything and everything that I've never done before just to make sure that I don't leave in the middle of the relationship or I don't let my lack of tolerance get the better end of me. I'd oftentimes hear older women, Havayala, a young woman who's about to get married or who is getting married, that say to them, and I took their advice, <laughs> even though at the time it really wasn't meant for me. But I just thought that, I mean, I'm planning to stay here forever, so I might as well just take it. So very, very early in our relationship, we realized that although our home dynamics looked the same and felt the same in certain instances, we kind of had to realize also that we come from different family backgrounds and are raised extremely different. This surfaced a lot from our conversations, like general conversations, our views, our interests, our likes, our hobbies, um, how we respond to one another as individuals and also how we deal with conflict or matters of challenges. He is, or rather was raised to believe that a woman's place is to cater to every need of his man, to submit to his authority and dominance and not have so many opinions or freedom of speech at all. While I came from a very firm family of strong influence, independent women who were raised to have their own. Very different. <laughs> he didn't like the fact that I was at the time finishing off my degree and heading to honors right after and had the privilege and support of my parents financially to continue with my studies and to do my honors. He at the time was busy with his diploma in the same field as mine. He would always say that he won't live with the woman who earns more than him and so forth. At the time, I guess I just didn't take the comments and treatment for what it truly was. I, I used to brush it off and just be like, oh well, everybody has their own <laughs> mental disabilities, I guess. He used to make me feel like I have no right to complain about anything in my life or have challenges because I live in a comfortable house and he doesn't. My mom, dad, and most of my family members have cars and they don't. My parents pay for my fees and he doesn't have that shield on his side. That I have a car, which by the way, at that time was my mom's old one and he had to hustle for his. That his mom during their divorce with his dad didn't want anything of his dad and resulted in them moving back into a family house whilst my parents' divorce was different but not immune to challenges of its own. That my folks were supportive of my academics and his wasn't as much. I'd even get crucified and labeled as selfish for wanting to further my studies post the degree instead of working and being responsible, he'd say. I had gotten so used to begging him after a disagreement between the two of us 
and he would give me the silent treatment until I'd succumb to the pressure I had created for myself of wanting to save my relations and not leave every time it gets hard or every time I can't handle stuff because I had told him my history and he knew when to play it. So when he finished his diploma, he went into the working place and his life started picking up, picking up enough for him to feel like a man or sort of. At the time, I was doing my postgrad. He upgraded his car, he dressed differently, ate at different places even, <laughs> and did his best to keep up with physical appearance. He was a handsome man, and he knew that. He was very handsome. So I found out much later in our relationship from him, after he answered a phone call from some lady. Kante is a lady who sponsors him with Nike gear. Like, I would always keep it at the back of my mind and always keep wondering, especially knowing his financial situation and status no judgments here i'm just saying that from someone who knew him from just meets the eye i would be privileged to private information such as knowing his status his financial status and what he can afford and what he can't but it would battle me as to how he could afford to wear nike from head to toe only to find out much later in our relationship from him that this woman had a crush on him. And this woman used to work at an Nike factory here in Woodmeet. Um, basically, he would either buy those items that he wanted and as a gift to him from her, or um, she would give him a catalog and he would tick and pick whatever he wants. And then the lady would just buy them for him on stuff price slash discount so that would be him basically milking on the fact that the lady has a crush on him and it would be a normal thing for him and every time i would confront him and try to understand this whole situation he would just highlight my insecurities and label them as unattractive jealousy during the early stages of our relationship he'd put me on his whatsapp status and that would make old flings slash exes to resurface and it would be a joke for him. It even brought one in particular who proposed to do a business with him. And when I rejected it after sharing my obvious feelings about it, which were uncomfortable for me, and what that, the fact that exes are resurfacing and what has already brought on him and therefore our relationship, for example, different behavior. It was a huge setback for us. From that point on, I'd constantly hear that I'm an enemy of progress and all. He even stopped putting me up anywhere on his social media platform. I would of course confront him about it, but nothing changed until I eventually gave up myself and also stopped posting him because I'm a human being. I mean, you can only take so much or even ask a person the same thing so much before you give up. So when I would stop posting, he would then notice and it would be a different situation for some reason he would be touched about it or you know it would be a big deal when i do exactly what he does or when i just you know remove myself from the situation and just not do anything he then started posting pictures of different girls i didn't know of he'd post them on whatsapp for a full 24 hours and only post mine once in a while and he'd put me up when he'd put me up i'd only be long enough for me to see it, then he deleted. I asked him once about it and he said the point was for you to see it. We used to fight a lot 
in our relationship and use sex also a lot to resolve our problems and differences until the next time we were at it again. Before we even started dating, I remember he lied about where he lived and told me that he lived at a certain area which turned out to be his aunt's place, whereas he lives in a family house in a different location, which he wasn't so much proud of, hence he lied. When I found out later on in our relationship, probably after a couple of months, I told him that he mustn't lie about who he is or where he comes from or where he lives and stuff like that because I really don't care about those and it's not like he's going to be there forever. This for me just highlighted his low self-esteem, which I made it my project to inject it with substance and confidence. Kanti, in exchange, I was draining mine. He'd make me feel so stupid and invalid, especially when in one year during our relationship, I failed my postgrad and had to repeat. The judgment I endured from him, telling me I had one responsibility, and that was to pass, and I failed. How stupid I was how I should just give up and just roll with it. Then in a matter of months, when I was repeating, his contract ended. He was a temp in three different, very successful and big corporations in a short space of time. In one, he quit, and in the other two contracts, he didn't get renewed. I believe it was mainly because of his attitude, because he was very arrogant. For an intern, you can't not want to be told what to do, how to do it, you know, and stuff like that, because you're an intern, you need to start at the bottom of the ladder, to put it plainly. So when he lost his job, his job, he felt like his life is over and basically spent between 10 and 11 months at home doing nothing and feeling sorry for himself. And meanwhile, like a supportive girlfriend, I was there, supportive in everything, including financially, using my allowance because at the time I was a full-time student. He would do absolutely nothing for me, except for the three times he took me to his favorite restaurant, Spur. Other than that, nothing. I would sponsor all our dates, but he had money to buy supplements for gym. He had money to buy his clothes and colognes and everything else that was for him, that he wanted. He, had, he still had contact from his previous varsity so he would still gym on campus for free or pay a flat rate again a female was involved and he was milking that female because the female had again a crush on him you know i felt like i had a boyfriend yes physically i had a boyfriend i mean i could touch him i could see him and all of that physically but for the most part i'd feel so lonely and empty so to fill that void, I started digging deep about my spirituality. So at that point in my life, I realized that I've invested so much time and energy, so much effort and myself into this relationship, and I can't even recognize myself without it anymore. I didn't know who I was without him anymore. And I felt like I tried everything, but it wasn't working. I mean, I'd still get humiliated. I'd still be judged. I'd still be stripped of my pride as a woman and I couldn't bear it anymore. I wasn't even gymming anymore and mind you, that is like one of my favorite things to do. I could fairly say that I was 
depressed and struggling at school, even though I was repeating and I was still seeing flames. That got to me. I remember researching about his church and even watching videos, like taking it upon myself to ask him if he's got any videos or watching TV from any um, spiritual enriched channels or any platforms just so that I can get acquainted with the idea since in my mind he's going to marry me so I might as well just learn as much as I can. Although I knew deep down that I'm miserable and we are not working but for some reason I'd put on a brave face, take nice pictures with him, apologize, be supportive, have sex even when he wasn't there or he didn't deserve it. You know, counsel him with these problems, be a therapist when needed, even though my challenges came with a measuring stick to determine if he should entertain them as my partner or even listen. I buried so much resentment against him, and when it got too much for me, that's when I turned to God. I started asking God if he's really my husband and baby daddy, because I'm not feeling nor seeing his love. I started crying myself to sleep and saying to God, that if he's not mine to keep, please save me from this miserable life I chose and created for myself. Please let him slip off my fingers. Now after months and months of praying and really seeking God, I felt like I'm not sensing his presence in me nor the church I used to go to. So I stopped and visited a Christian church, which now, by the grace of God, I'm still currently a full and devoted member of. I started including religious or spiritual topics in our relationship and he would either get offended or annoyed. Sometimes he'd actually participate. It would all just fluctuate and depend on his mood really. Now after doing all of that, I got to a point where I got courageous, I got strength and I filled myself with God's love and realization and got revelations in that, you know, I don't deserve this. and. I got to a point where now I'd be able to respond to him and stand up for myself using God's word and feel like I also matter and I am loved and that I'm also God's child and this treatment is just isn't right for any human being. Our fights then got more and more intense and deeper and was extremely difficult because it was at this time when I also started to be reluctant to engaging in any sexual activities. In fact, I cut them because of what I had discovered from the Bible and also realizing that it's wrong for us to use sex every time to solve our problems. The more I read the word and went to churches, the more we'd get affected badly. I remember him telling me, like not asking, but actually commanding me that I will drop this and not get saved because people who are saved think they work on clouds and they judge and all. Meanwhile, he did that all very well to me all by himself and he's not saved. So I went ahead and gave my life to Christ and since then I haven't looked back. That decision for me came with a lot of eye-opening experiences and I'm sharing my testimony. After I got saved, a few days later I got a phone call from him saying that he had just been prophesied or rather had a reading by his close family member who conveniently just came up from nowhere. I mean all the years I was dating him I haven't heard of him. So you can imagine the shock. So um, he told me that I got a reading through him. So basically this man said to, to my ex 
that he sees me crying and was asking him as to what did he do to me because like I'm always crying. He also said that he sees me sleeping with something at night. I was super terrified that night. I remember I, I woke my mom up and we both didn't sleep as I was telling her everything and we're trying to make sense of what we had just learned over the phone. I mean, you hear of these things, but you never for a moment actually think that they would happen to you or like you would be a victim or stuff like that, especially if you don't believe in them or that they are far. So because I didn't understand where it came from, I started interrogating him further and he got so frustrated and annoyed, expecting me to just absorb everything that he was telling me and agree to everything, saying that he believes this man because get a family friend, they grew up under his wings, he's a family healer, and so for me, that didn't mean anything for me. In my own accord, I decided to go over at my ex's home the next day, and he received me very well, surprisingly. He was advising me, consoling me, trying to keep it down, and also telling me that there's absolutely nothing to be ashamed of, or there's no reason to be humiliated slash embarrassed because this happens all the time at their church. So it's it's like normal thing for him, although it wasn't for me. So I made a deal with my ex to go to see the healer only if he'd attend church with me that Thursday evening. He didn't want to at first. It was war, but eventually I won. So in the afternoon, I went with him to go see the healer. And it was like a horror. It was like a horror scene from a movie. Now, I remember when we walked into his yard, he said to me whilst welcoming us, well, rather, he said to his Mshana, my ex at the time, that Mshana, Usebenzile, this time. I mean, that stuck with me. At first, I just thought he means that I'm pretty, you know, compared to the other girlfriends that he's had and met in the past. I don't know. Then we went into his, what I deemed as a consultation room at the back of his house and it had like an overpowering sense of smell and there were skins of animals hanging on the wall and a snake skin on the door there were bottles filled with green things everywhere it was a consultation basically and i had to plant money which i didn't have because now i i didn't know that i'm going to be blowing into things and giving money and and all of that i mean i've never been to a sangoma or a spiritual healer or anything like that yeah it was just an uncomfortable, eye-opening and scary experience. I was so angry at my ex for not at him, for not letting me know what to expect. But he said it was the first time for him too. Although it didn't seem like it because he seemed so comfortable and free and he even knew that we take off our shoes. So he basically told me everything that you told my ex and also added that there's animals moving in my house at night. And if I want to be better and stop this from attacking my sisters and going further to me, he will give us umuti to drink, bath with, and also sprinkle within the yard at home. So after I reminded uh, my then boyfriend that we're still going to church tonight, he refused. Yo, and things changed now. I was so angry. So after the consultation and when we got to his place, I left in my car and I went back home. So after I got home, now my home, he called to say that he'll go to church with me. So we went to church and my worst nightmare happened. God basically revealed my challenge to the two prophets who were in church in that night. 
my cousin's husband and a visiting prophet. It was a whole scene at church caused by my ex not wanting to answer questions he was asked by the prophet. He was denying everything that he was asked and eventually stormed out of the church after screaming that my pastor is a fake prophet and everything. And we were then instructed to go outside with the church's protocol and leadership. And um, it was at this time outside when he was trying to play mind games and emotional blackmail on me and forcing me to go with him so that he can go drop me off at home. I was still traumatized from the afternoon and how much of a lion he was at church in front of my family members and the whole congregation. I was so embarrassed. It's just, it was just insane. I was so afraid of him at that point. I mean, I've seen him angry, yes, but nothing like that. He was like a lion. So the visiting prophet pulled me aside from outside and my cousin's husband, who's also a prophet, and they both confirmed that what we just witnessed is a manifestation of the spirit that's leading him, and they want to lock me. You can imagine the confusion and the shock. Hori, what is lock? Like, why would, why would someone want to lock a person? I mean, how can they even lock a person? And if I go into that car with him, thinking that he's going to be driving me back home, I'm not. He's actually going to kill me on a mountain and dig up my grave there and bury me. You can imagine the shock I had. So eventually I decided not to leave him, follow my gut and listen to the advices from the men of God. And I could say that was the end of my spiritual ties with him. I felt so betrayed and played and finding out later on that this whole mess, his family was in it too, was just a total shock. So after months of trying to pick up my pieces and making sense of that night and its revelations, that's where I'd say I was forced to admit to my brokenness and my lowest point of my life. I couldn't understand how can a person I loved so much and gave my life and devotion to hurt me so badly. I mean, why me that you'd go as far as using umuti on me during our sexual activities to lock me? Now, later on, I found out from the prophets that what they meant by lock is actually to say that my ex wanted to ensure that I don't get pregnant by anyone else or date or marry anyone who isn't him. I couldn't get over the fact that he knew what he was doing, like he was conscious of what he was doing. He was present in what he was doing. I remember before we left the healer's house, the healer said to him that I can give you something to make her stay forever with you if you want. And because I was there, he laughed and said, no, Tata. Now to find out much later that he's been doing that all this time, it broke me because I didn't need Umuti to make me stay because I genuinely loved him with all I was and everything I had and I would have stayed. I remember in one of our convos, we had a difference of opinion regarding fixing home dynamics, you know, general couple challenges that people go through. And he said to me that, Yena, he wouldn't mind using Umuti to help strengthen his marriage or keep it safe because that's what they do. And he's used to that, you know. And he got angry at me when I was shocked and expressed, expressed how insane all of this was because, like, Using umuti on someone without the consent of the wife or partner at the time, it's like, it's it's wrong. It's morally wrong. It's a crime even. <laughs> it's a different thing when they both believe on using umuti and they choose to use it. And it's another when he didn't even 
you were not given a chance to choose it. I was so broken and cut deep still because I loved him so much and I still had hope of us fixing our issues. My family was so distraught and didn't understand why I couldn't just leave him. My pastor was even counseling my immediate family and me, but he could also tell that I'm way too deep and still in love. So they did all they could in the time, which was praying. Until one day, I decided to leave him. This time, I ended our emotional connection, struggling to break off from the attachment, all of it. This, in my own opinion, if you've been in a long relationship and breaking up with someone, breaking off and moving away from the emotional attachment is the most difficult part of the heartbreak or the breakup. It's very much like a spiritual bond or a soul tie. I kept going back and forth until early February in 2019 when I said no and cut all ties and broke up with him for good over the phone. I mean, he didn't deserve me even giving him the courtesy of a social visit to break up with him. I just wanted to do it over the phone and just get it over and done with. I haven't seen him to date. He has tried to make contact, obviously, even through my email because I blocked all my calls, SMSs, and I was never big on social media, so we never exchanged handles. By the grace of God, I was able to break away, overcame the physical challenges of pains, weird things happening to me linked with my spirituality and my God-given purpose on this earth, overcoming bad dreams, being deeper into my journey, and spiritual walk with Christ and maintaining my relationship with Jesus. So I found peace that surpasses all understanding through God. I learned to fight using prayer, to understand and to accept that his plans are not my plans and my time isn't God's time. So after I broke off with my ex for good now, beginning of February of 2019, I was at a stage of wanting to be single for a while, just to reconnect with Palesa. I remember now involving my father, that is God, yo, <laughs> in all spheres of my life and speaking to him about it. My prayer was, Daddy, if I meet a guy and he's not for me, if he's not my husband, can you please not make me see a potential in him, even if he's handsome and all? That was my daily devotion. I was content with just being alone, deepening my relationship with Christ. So it was at this odd afternoon where I met my husband. It was on his mom's birthday at the time, and I had no idea that he's my one. We were both sent by our mothers for different things at the same place and time. Weird, I know. We met on the 31st of March. He parked right in front of me and I was behind and after a while he came to me. I remember checking him out via the windscreen. So when he came through, I was just myself, casual and kind and a little funny. Luckily, he understood my weird sense of humor and from that day onwards, we hadn't looked back. I remember coming home after that day. I met him and I asked God, and then <laughs> what is happening because I asked for a husband and you bring me someone immediately after I wanted to be Miss Independent. <laughs> I was very specific with the kind of man I wanted in my life as my husband to God in my daily talks with him amongst other things that I shared and wanted in a man. 
was that I wanted a man who had an active and intimate relationship with his God so that he can be able to talk to him about me. I wanted a kind of man who speaks to me with love and understanding and an awareness of God's responsibility on every Christian, which is to love one another. I wanted a loyal man, a faithful man, a man who's rich in wisdom to help me and to support me with my God-given purpose. I wanted a talker, a protective person, a provider, one who doesn't have a child and a young man so we grow together and have the privilege of growing within the covenant of marriage. So as we were getting to know one another with him, I realized that it might be him, <laughs> but I was still so unsure. On the 7th of April, 2019, we started dating. I couldn't believe the love and undying support he gave and showed me. At times I saw myself as broken and damaged goods and that no one would want to love me like I deserve to be loved, like I know I deserve to be loved, you know, because I would yearn to be loved by the kind of love that God has for his children. My husband gave me that kind of love and more. He embraced my pains and wore them too, as difficult as it was for him. He didn't care about himself but me. He gave himself to me completely and his love overwhelmingly covers a multitude of my scars and past experiences. He gave me a new perspective over and above what I've already achieved. I am so happy with him. A man would randomly call me when we are speaking about a scripture and trying to interpret it in different ways. We laugh together, we cry, we pray, we play, we dance, we sing. He's literally my best friend and confidant. I love him so much and I just look at him and feel the the comfort of God's love and plan. So with all of this, it just had to be God's plan. I learned that with relationships, all kinds, not just romantic relationship, that it's just best to ask the Lord Almighty and seek him first before you do your own thing. I mean, look at me. I did my own things my whole life until I saw flames, <laughs> like real flames. But when I started letting God to lead me, I got godly results. He even says this in his word and confirms to trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. To seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. That's in Proverbs 3 verse 5, which is my mantra. On the 21st of March 2020, he acted upon his intentions and brought his uncle to meet mine and our Lobola was done. One of the happiest days of my life for sure. <laughs> he also encouraged me to run my first 21 kilometers Soweto Marathon last year. As in the past, I'd always run 10 kilometers on an annual basis. It was now my thing and was very afraid to challenge myself to go past the 10 kilometer boundary I had set for myself simply because my ex had said I couldn't do that. I'm also taking good care of myself now. I exercise, I eat healthy, I keep hydrated, I dance, I cook, I read, all the things I enjoy doing. Looking at the woman I am now compared to who I was then, as painful and gruesome as my story is, I wouldn't have changed it for anything. I'm a firm believer of that everything happens for a reason and it was for this purpose so that I could be grounded. I wouldn't have known that I would also have a scar that would hopefully touch someone's soul to really believe that there's a God 
in them, who lives inside of them, who will pull them out of any situations that they've placed themselves in, like he did for me and more. My life now has meaning. I have purpose and I've learned that I first needed to love God and then myself and others. That's the hierarchy and that's always how it's going to be. I'm so full of joy now that I've reconnected with who I'm called to be. So in my brokenness, I found Jesus. I don't even hate my ex, but let me not lie. I used to for a while though. But if I were to bump into him by any chance now, I would actually thank him for giving me direction and forcing me to grow up, you know, level up and gain some thick skin and most importantly, to fight. Thank you so much for having me, Zinkle, and I appreciate the platform you've made available for me to share my story and how in the how the grace of God turned my brokenness into beauty. I hope this will touch hearts and most importantly, help other women. My name is Palisa Ratikwani and this is how I read my scars. Thank you.